on LBC. Three minutes after 12 is the time you are listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where Mystery Hour is upon us, your weekly opportunity to get the answers to the questions that have had you puzzled for the longest time. The number you need um, is 03456060973. Get that into your phone now and uh, use judicious use of redial if you struggle to get through, because there are many opportunities to get through, not least because of the two rules of Mystery Hour, which police repetition and dullness. Repetition in particular... Now that we've been running for so long and many new people are discovering us on a weekly basis and ringing in with questions that we have actually answered means if you don't get through at four minutes after 12, it doesn't mean you won't get through at eight minutes after 12. Dullness, however, is always a disqualifiable offence. And I'm afraid it's us that will decide whether or not your question is dull. And our decision will be based upon this simple principle. Is the answer to whatever question you've asked likely to interest most people listening? Or is it really only likely to interest you? Okay, uh, that's pretty much it. It's if you're new to this, the radio equivalent of the uh, newspaper features, the Q and A's, the kind of things that you've seen over the years in your um, uh, newspapers and magazines. A reader writes in and says, "Why do we do that? What's that about? Where does that come? How does that work? What's this? What's that? What's the difference? Whatever the question may be." And someone else writes in a few weeks later with the answer. Today, thankfully, um, you don't have to wait days to get the answer you can get it up on the board on the radio and within an hour within 54 minutes someone will provide you with an answer i can't guarantee that but i can guarantee two things the first is you will know more by one o'clock than you do now Uh, whether or not it's knowledge that you're grateful for whether it's not knowledge that you can find any use for in the future i'm afraid i can't say but i do know you'll know more by one o'clock today than you do now and this guarantee is slightly less cast iron than the last one but i haven't broken it yet you'll probably laugh out no you will definitely laugh out loud between now and one o'clock um i think that's pretty much it isn't it should we should we crack on before i do let me just tell you about uh actually no i'll tell you later andrew is in hernhill andrew question or answer uh, hello, it's uh, it's, a, it's a question, James. Splendid. Um, uh, last night, uh, in respect of the uh, events in Brussels, they were projecting the colours of the Belgian flag onto the uh, London Eye and Big Ben. Yes. Uh, with the colours being uh, orange, red, and black. Uh, how do they project? What is black? How do they project black light? I just can't get my head around it. Well, that's, that's a lovely question. I didn't see the projection, so it, there's no way it wasn't... It was just dark, so you had the orange and you had the other colours and then the bit that was black just... Well, no, didn't... because then there'd be ambient lighting around which would sort of illuminate the, where they didn't project. I, I, how do they do it? I don't know. That's a lovely question. So, I mean, and it's a very simple question as well. How do they project what what appears to be, although it might be an oxymoron, the phrase black light, what, what is going on? We, well, we, we've got to get Andrew's head around this by one o'clock today. I'm now as confused as you are. I didn't even see it. I can't understand it, James. Nor it can I. Make sense. This is almost what Mystery Hour was invented for. I'm not going to big it up too much, because when I do that, we don't get an answer. But someone will know the answer to that. Someone will work in the industry. I always remember Gail Porter being broadcast onto the side of the House of Commons, but I don't think there was any black light involved in that. Seven minutes after 12 is the time. Can you answer Andrew's question? Oh, three. Well, you know the number. Um, I'll give you a quick heads up on this, because it should be a very interesting interview. My colleague Ian Dale will be joined by Suzanne Evans, who who, who got suspended from UKIP yesterday for, for speaking her mind. Um, uh, I, I, 
I think she did anyway, but I'm not entirely sure because, of course, whatever you may think of that party, it's supposed to be the, the the home for people who feel that freedoms of speech have been compromised elsewhere. So do tune in to Ian Dale after five o'clock. He'll be with you from four. I think it's her first interview since her suspension from UKIP. Um, for well, I forget what for actually. It just it just seemed to be a strange juxtaposition of libertarianism and censorship. So do tune into Ian to find out more about that later. Seven after twelve is the time. Jasmine is in Halston with a question or an answer. Jasmine, it's a question, please, from my ten-year-old daughter. Yes. Well, she wanted to know. Last Sunday we were eating Sunday dinner, and I had prepared rice and peas, traditional West Indian style. Mm. She wanted to know what the difference between peas and beans were, and she had the cheek to say, Mummy, James is clever, can you ring him? I've got a lot of time for your little girl, she's going to go far, <laughs> she's going to go far in life. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing, but I'm when, you, James. When, when you make rice and peas, that, that isn't the sort of green pea in the sense that most not people who don't have West Indian heritage will think of, is it? No, it's not your average bird's eye garden pea, no. Mm. So it's things like gonga peas, black-eyed beans, um, kidney beans, those sorts of things. But there are either dried or tinned for quick ability, and you reconstitute them. I think beans and peas are part of the same genus. I think they're part of the same family. I think the answer, disappointingly, might be that there is no difference between peas and beans. Black-eyed, because most people say black-eyed peas, don't they? Not black-eyed beans. And you just said black-eyed beans, but you meant black-eyed peas which goes to show how interchangeable the two words are. It's excitement to speak to you, you see. Well, that's... I mean, you've done that now. You've cashed that cheque. But I need to find you an an answer as well. So, what is the difference between peas and beans? And if someone who's better qualified than I am turns out with an answer that is there is no difference, then they get a round of applause, and your 10-year-old daughter gets the eternal satisfaction of knowing her question has been definitively dealt with. Exactly. Jasmine, take care. No, thank, thank you. you. Happy Easter. Nine minutes after 12 is the time. Paul's in Grey's. Question or answer, Paul? Hello, James. Hello. Paul Yaskray, from Grey's. Hello. Can you tell me, hello, hello, who and why did they bring Easter for back a week this year? It's Because it's not set by calendar, it's set by the lunar calendar. So if we have Christmas Day every year on the 25th... That's, that's set why? by the calendar calendar. No. <laughs> And they've done it which not that. They've done it, it is, mate. Day as well, and they brought it back a year. Yeah, but because it's set by the lunar... Ca- it's about where the last full moon was, or something like that, kind of. Or something, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Ask me what my qualifications are. No, I just don't, I don't think it's fair, because I'm not taking the money I should do, because it should be next week. Oh, well, I'm not here to sort out your economic problems. I'm here to answer your question about Easter. And the reason why Easter is being celebrated quite early this year is because it is set by the longest day of the year, or it's set by meteorological or, or, or lunar events that are not controllable by calendar. So you're going you're to throw in a couple of long words again. I reckon someone's going to phone gonna up. I'm going to do exactly that. I'm going to throw in a couple of long words in the hope of masking the fact that I know I'm right, but I can't prove it. <laughs> well, I'll wait for someone to phone up. I think you. what you're looking for here is, is flocky knocky nihilipilification. Now you mean floxy noxy nihilipilification. <laughs> Latin scholars in the house. You got, do you know what happened yesterday? My boss was taking me out for lunch, and, and it was almost like I'd set it up myself, Paul. We got stopped on the way to the restaurant by a lovely bloke, who I should say hello to, who, who was saying nice things about the programme. And then he said to my boss, he said, oh, I, I should tell you, I learnt how to speak English by listening to James O'Brien's programme on LBC. 
<laughs> so I want a pay rise now, but I'm not taking a round of applause. You're quite right. I shall wait until we get a more definitive answer to that question. 11 minutes after 12 is the time. Why has Easter? Why is Easter so early this week? So, in other words, how is Easter decided? When do they decide when to celebrate Easter Day? Difference between peas and beans, and how do they project black light? Tom is in Ballam. Question or answer, Tom? Um, question, James. Uh, first time caller, love the show. You're very welcome. Um, my question is, as a sport of a league football team, I'm often watching the city printer on a Saturday afternoon, and it's long puzzled me as to why the first games that always seem to get results are from Scotland. So when you say lower little, league, are you talking Vanarama or, or, or not that? A though? little bit higher than that. Yeah, all right, don't rub it in. Don't know, it's all right. Um, good luck this season, by the way. Thank you. Um, Next yes, I've just noticed over the years that the Scottish clubs always seem to kick off the results. And think of it, presumably all kick off at three o'clock. I'm and the Scots seem to finish earlier, just by why. minutes, just by a minute or two or a few seconds, yes. they seem to get results yeah, in from Scotland. Always the first few results are Scottish, and then English results coming in. I wonder if there is an well, answer to that. Scottish refs, refs play less extra time. It doesn't really you know, make maybe, sense. Well, maybe Scottish players don't get injured so much because they're so hardy. Could be. Yes, <laughs> it could be that. So then again, on the other hand, maybe it isn't. I'll find out. I, 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 this is one of those questions. I'd be quite surprised if we get an answer, but I'd be absolutely fascinated to hear it. I don't, I don't know that... It's often puzzled me, because yeah, I'm well, assuming Scottish time isn't sort of a minute ahead. Like <laughs> two minutes ahead when you fly to Edinburgh, adjust your watches. No, I'm pretty confident that the clocks in Scotland tell the same time as the clock south of the English-Scottish border. Um, 12.13 is the time. It's a lovely question, that, because I, I recognise the reality of it, although it's never really registered with me before, as someone who is sitting there waiting for the Vanarama National Conference results just for another few weeks. Next next season, I'm going to be waiting for the Vanarama Northern League results, unless some miracle occurs at Agborough Stadium in the coming days. Iris is in Redbridge. Question or answer, Iris? Answer. Carry on. Answer, James. Easter, why Easter varies? Yes. It's the first Sunday following the first full moon after the 21st of March. So it is to do with the lunar calendar? It is, exactly. So I should have got a round of applause. Oh, Paul was just sort of raining on my parade. I'll get it instead. Well, I'm going to give it to you, Iris, because you're a more deserving cause than I am. But uh, after you've gone, I'm probably going to pinch it back and pop it in my pocket. Yes, after the 21st of March. The first Sunday after the first full moon after the 21st of March. Correct. Round of applause for Iris. No, thank you very much. Oh, hang on. What are your qualifications, madam? Oh, I've been... In, uh, I'm nearly 87. There, you get... <laughs> you, you must pick up something along the way, oh, mustn't that, you? That, that'll do. Experience is the answer yes. to my... What are your qualifications? Experience, James. That's right. Of life. Beautifully employed, that experience, Iris, if you don't mind me saying so. Thank you so much. So we can cross that one off. We still need to know about peas and beans. The Scottish football results apparently... Scottish football games apparently finishing before English ones on Saturdays. Why, why would that be? Maybe it isn't true. Maybe you just notice anomalies. Um, and how do you project black light onto buildings? This in response to the Belgian flag being rather poignantly broadcast, projected onto some major British landmarks yesterday. Coming up to quarter past 12, the number you need to answer any of those questions is 03456060973. And the number you need to ask a question of your own is cunningly identical. Um, I think I might know the answer to the Scottish question. He says, reading a tweet that contains the answer to the Scottish question and then planning to pass it off as his own if no one else rings in with the correct answer. It's quarter past 12. 
from the LBC Travel Centre. Good afternoon, I'm Jay Louise Knight. It's 17 minutes after 12. You're listening to Mystery Hour with me, James O'Brien. Questions that still need answers. The difference between peas and beans. Come on, we need a beanologist. How do you project black light? Um, and why do the Scottish football results... Why do Scottish football games start at the same time as English football games but usually seem to end sooner in general? Uh, any of your own questions as well to add to this? Lucy is in Blackheath. Question or answer, Lucy? Hi, it's a question, James. Um, mm. I was just recently seeing a distribution of wealth figures that said that 99% of the wealth is owned by 1% of the population. It's not, quite, the it's not quite that, but, but there's a massive imbalance, yes. Exactly. So I was wondering, when does it become unprofitable for the rich to hoover up any more of the wealth from the poor? Because uh, we won't have any money to spend on anything. <laughs> It's my favourite question ever. We're not going to get an answer to that in a million years. At what point does capitalism fail because the rich have got pretty much everything and the rest of us... Exactly. Well, you know, 62 individuals are now possessing the same as 3.6 Do you know, I think you'd call it the tipping point. So I'm going to put it up as a proper question, although I I, I say I would be amazed if there's an answer. Is there there a tipping point? Someone might have worked it out. They might have done a tipping point for free market capitalism. Yes, please. Is it linked to the observation that it seems to me increasingly irresistible that the whole promise of infinite growth in a world of finite resources is bound to fail one day? Exactly. Well, this is it, isn't it? No one ever mentions the fact that capitalism needs to expand to continue and we live in a finite world. Hang on, I just did. What do you mean no one ever mentions it? I just just mentioned it. it, but no one generally mentions it. It's too scary. It makes your teeth itch. That's why. (laughs) <laughs> so we want to know, is there a tipping point for free market capitalism? Is, is there a tipping point at which the, the, the redistribution of wealth upwards would end because it has ceased to be possible to harvest any more from ordinary people for that 1% that owns whatever the epic figure may be today? There's one family in America, the family that own Walmart, own more than half of the rest of the country put together, I think. Um, 20 after 12 is the time. Lucy, I love that question, but as I say, if it has got an answer, I'll be a little bit surprised. Simon is in Finchley. Simon, question or answer? Question. Yes. Hello. Hello. Um, if I post two letters, one with a first class and one with a second class stamp, what happens to the one with the second class stamp? Does it just sit in a pile for a couple of days? or Because I have posted letters before and the second class has got there at the same time as the first. So it's kind of like, well, should I put a second class stamp on every letter? <laughs> I like that question. I got, I did, it rings a vague bell, actually. I'm just trying to think if I can remember the answer to it. But I think I think you might be right, you know, Simon. I think they do just sort of not sit in a pile necessarily, but they just... It's, it's about priorities, isn't it? So you do at the beginning of the shift, you do all the first-class stuff, and then at the end of the shift, you get around to the second-class stuff. But I am... Uh, uh, making it up as I go along, as you can probably tell. So I'll leave it on the board and shut up now, shall I? Okay, that'd be good. I'd like to know the answer, though. Yes, I know. Well, you're not going to get it from me, but that's generally how mystery hour works. Someone, someone, well, there'll be someone listening who works in the sorting office who can give us a completely definitive answer. And if there isn't, I'll give you the money myself. If you are that person in that sorting office, then as I bid farewell to Simon, it frees up a phone line for you. Grab it by dialing oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. Mark's at Liverpool Street. Mark, question or answer? Hello, James. Hello, I used Mark. to be a postman, so I could probably answer that one. But, but I'm answering the one about the Scottish football. Good man. Um, the answer is, it's all down to television. Uh, half-time used to be ten minutes across the board for every game, but once uh, television got involved and started showing live matches, they introduced a uh, 15-minute half-time. 
Um, because games in Scotland in the lower three divisions are never on television, they still have 10 minutes, as do non-league games in the UK. But every uh, is that really the reason? Yeah. Qualif- that's my understanding of it. Qualification? I, I go to, uh, well, I'm a football referee. Well, that'll do. I also go to non-league <laughs> I go to non-league games every weekend. Who who do you uh, follow? To watch my son. Well, it depends who my son's playing for. Oh, okay. <laughs> he moves from club to club. But what, um, what level of non-league? Vanarama? No, not as high as that. Right. He played in Vanarama South. Okay. That's the highest he's ever played. But well, I think my team's going to be in Vanarama. My team's going to be in Vanarama North next season. So I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm I just, think they probably are. I'm trying to acclimatise. I've seen, seen Kidderminster Harriers in the FA Cup play at my local team. Oh yeah. How much did you beat us by? Yeah. No, you won 2-0. Get in. And do you know what else I discovered today? It probably p- p- paints me out as a plastic fan. Turns out the Leicester captain turned out for us for five games in 2002 on loan from Nottingham Forest. Yeah. So now the, now yeah, the secret of Leicester's success has finally been found this season. A bit of the old kid of Mr Harrier's magic there, Mark. Yeah, well, a lot of those players are from lower league football. They've moved around, haven't they? You're right. Vardy was playing, yeah. non- Vardy was playing non-league football Absolutely, three years yeah. ago. It's non-league an incredible player. tale. Yeah. Yeah, I've just got my fingers crossed for them. Same here, actually. I think every neutral in the world has got their fingers crossed for Leicester. You, meanwhile, have already got your reward today, Mark. Thank you very much, James. Thank you very much. Beautifully done. Shorter half-time. I like one other answer, Mark, before you go. Someone emailed to say that, that because the stadia are much sm- smaller in Scotland, the distance from the dressing room to the pitch is smaller. So that's, I can't quite yeah. see that playing a part in it. It's not as not as convincing as your answer, anyway. Twelve twenty-three is the time. Eamon is in Marylebone. Eamon, question or answer? Uh, question, James. Carry on. Peter Brett, you know uh, how you can peel it open. It's kind of effectively really two layers with a perfect seal. I know when they make it, it starts out as a flat piece of dough, just like uh, a pizza base. So how does it end up? the way that it does. How does it know that uh, it is a pita bread and, and it should be two layers? But it's not baked. If it was baked, it wouldn't be two layers. But because it's cooked on a, on a hot surface and turned over, that's how you get the two layers hardening and, and the, the soft yeah, layer in the middle. From pizza? Well, when's the last time you cooked a pizza on both sides? Uh, not two sports sides. No, that would be silly. Yeah, exactly. So if you did cook pizza dough on a hot surface, on a flat hot surface, and then tur- just the dough, and then turned it over, you- you'd have something akin to a pocket. It would be a lot more like pizza. Wow, you're amazing, James. I agree. Hang on, where's the applause? That makes sense. Thank you. There you go, it must be true. And, and that's it. Uh, do you know why? Because at risk of uh, establishing my middle-class cliché status even more effectively than I've previously done, we, we, we've made pizza bread at home with the girls because it's quite easy and, it, and they eat it. So it's quite fun to do. So that, that must be why. That is how you do it. Whereas bread, you bake in the oven. Uh, thank you, Eamon. Uh, 12.24 is the time. Professor Martin Smith is here, the Professor of Robotics at the University of Middlesex. What are you here for, Prof? A question or an answer? It's an answer, James. Carry please. on. Carry on. It's the uh, how do you project black light? Yes. And the answer is you can't because there's no such thing as black light. So what's going on on the on the projections that the questioner was asking about? Um, if the areas around are bright, uh, the eye will adjust its contrast so that um, well, not its contrast, the uh, aperture of the iris, so that everything else looks darker. And, and his concerns about the notion of the light bleeding, you'd expect, I understand exactly what the questioner meant by that, is that if I like, did, did, did a projection onto a building in the dark of something 
red, black, white, I'd expect the white and the red to leak into the black bit, but the demarcations are really clear when you see it on the side of buildings or, or, or landmarks. Well, that's uh, slightly different, but the reason for that is if you've got a very good lens and a very good reflector and uh, as approximate as you can to a point source of light, you can get a very, very sharp cut-off. Yeah, of course you can. That makes perfect sense because that, that's why you have adjustable focus on projectors. Uh, well, you've got some very expensive lenses and very expensive reflectors and bulbs. But we've all seen that when we're, when we're projecting something onto a wall, you, you twiddle the knob and it goes from blurry to, to crystal clear, doesn't it? It's the same principle. Yes, and that's because you've got the lens in slightly the wrong place exactly. in relation to the screen and to the bulb. So quality of, lens, uh, quality of lens and location of lens deliver clear demarcation of, 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 of projection. Precisely so. Round of applause for the professor. Thank you. Ably assisted by me. Well, not assisted, clarified. Turned into layman's turn. I was like Robin, the boy wonder to the professor's Batman. Kaz is in Isleworth. Kaz, question or answer? Answer. Go on, then. Well, I was, was going to say the same thing as the gentleman before. You can't project... Uh, you can't just yeah. come on after a professor as one a round of applause waited, and say the same well, thing. Go on, well, go on, then. We should have gone to you first. The professor's got applause coming out of his briefcase. Exactly. He took it from me. But, yeah, from a distance... From if a you, distance. If you go up close, yes. if you go up close, you won't see the same effect. If from a distance, you will see the black. Um, if if you look at, on on the, on the net, if you look at the Wembley Stadium when that was lit up, yeah. if you have a look at that very carefully, they've got a close up of it, and you really can't see the black in it. And you can see you can see the red and the yellow mixing in and the ambient right. But if you if you look from a distance, it does work. Like it. Qualifications. I'm an engineer. What sort of engineer? Ref- refrigeration engineer. <laughs> it's not got a lot to do with projections, has it? Uh, right. And I do, I do a bit of lighting as well. Well, that, that, that's why I'd have gone with the lighting first, before the refrigeration, yeah. when it's coming. Yeah. But I'd g- g- give oh, Kaz yeah. a round of applause for being a good egg. <laughs> Cheers, James. Cheers, mate. Mohammed's in Skipton. Hello, mate. Question or answer? Uh, answer. I know what um, you're going to try and answer. You are so cocky. And that is the pot calling the kettle black, my friend. Come on, then. Come on. <laughs> Just written a paper on this, James. Yeah. Just written a paper. I haven't got a mark back for it, though, so... Yeah. But, but it's good, it's good. The um, tipping point right, of capitalism, Mohammed's going to have a crack at now. Well, at what point does capitalism break? Okay, so now is the answer. But So what we have is something called secular stagnation, where there's no organic growth. So all of the growth that we see is just speculative asset prices going up. Now, what that lady was asking, which, when will the rich stop making money? Some of the rich have already stopped made it, making money, and some haven't. So the people who are really making money out of this situation are the investment banks, because they own all the credit lines. So when, no one, when wages don't go up, we use credit. And then what happens is, is they make money off the credit, because that's, uh, they Compound create interest. instruments off the back of it. Uh, and then they sell those instruments to other people, and that's where they make their money. And if there's no growth in actual companies, then all these companies to grow, they have to buy other companies, mergers and acquisitions. So what happens is that the investment banks make money off that through advisory. However, your pension funds, your insurance, the things called buy-side of finance, and the people who are investing, they don't make any money. In fact, they're losing money at the moment. And what you have is you have these huge pension funds which are trying to get the government to start uh, stimulate the economy through spending more, whereas the investment banks are saying no because they make a lot of money off this situation now. So it's some rich make uh, some rich will continue to make money and money until we get another credit crunch, whereas other ones are already losing money now. 
And uh, actually, I'll add one last little bit. Um, in terms of the inequality, if the top 20%, if their income goes up G- by 1%, GDP goes down by 0.1.6%. Whereas the other 80%, if their income goes up, GDP goes up. I, I Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, you lost me about six or seven seconds ago. But that's the reflection of me, not you. Have you, I mean, you have, I mean, okay, at what point does it become unsustainable? Uh, it'll just be till the next crash, and then we'll have another credit crunch, um, and then they can restart it again, unless policies so, change. So it never goes off the cliff forever, then? It never actually breaks? No. No, no, no. The, the, the only thing is, is that the capitalism is, um, it, it changes all the time, and with its actual functionality changes. So in 10 years, it, will, it won't look exactly the same as it does now, and it will kind of, um, I don't know, like, for example, your Ubers, your Airbnbs, the new platform economy. That's Ch- the changing the nature of, 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 of our economies, actually. Um, Miami qualifications? Uh, third final year economist and just wrote a paper on this. When, when, when are your finals? Uh, summer. Just in Mate, it's, it's, it's practically April. What do you mean summer? Yeah. They're around the corner. When are your finals, Miami? They haven't released exactly. Mate, look, I'm, I've got a three-week break now, and I'm making all the use out of it. I'm keeping all of that way out of my mind. Really? You're not. You're not revising and swatting up. Uh, not. Not yet. Not yet. So no, James. I'm listening to Herberts on the radio instead of studying <laughs> for my degree. Mate, good luck with you because I, 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 I don't know if we'll talk before the finals come round. <laughs> You can't blame me if you fail all your exams. It's twelve thirty-one. Helen and Oakes is here with the headlines. The lawyer for parents. After twelve is the time you are listening to Mystery Hour. Um, last time that we'll spend our mornings and, and the first hour of the afternoon together for a couple of weeks. I'm off over Easter. Tom Swarbrick, my friend and colleague, will be assuming the position behind this microphone for the duration. But I would just, uh, I mean, a highly unlikely event, uh, you're going to miss me. We've started doing a sort of best-of podcast that you can access via iTunes. So if you, if you go over to iTunes and just stick my name or LBC in there, you'll find... It was about half an hour long, is it? Highlights from, from the last couple of weeks, some of the best things we've done. And speaking of highlights, I, I'm going to tease you with this. It's a bit boastful, but, you know, you're used to that by now. Um... How many views on Facebook do you think clips from this program have received since the beginning of 2016? Go and have a guess. How many do you think? So you, if you go to the LBC Facebook page, not only do you get a fascinating insight into um, the, the, the life of the internet troll, or some of the people on there, the ones that hate me, are brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, barking mad, uh, but brilliant. But you also can get clips of, of the best bits of your favourite shows on LBC. How many do you think this show has had since the beginning of 2016? How many, how many individual views of, of clips, films from, from the show? I'll, t- I'll tell you, if I remember, I'll tell you before I go home. Back to Mystery Hour, though. Helen is in Etchingham. Question or answer, Helen? Hello, Dave. Hello, Helen. Hello. Um, it's actually a question from my little boy, yes. um, who was eight on uh, last Friday. Um, he, we were doing some gardening. We're finally getting out now that the weather's improving. Yes. And we were coming across lots and lots of worms. Um, he wants to know how do worms get through the earth? Because you can have some really compacted, hard ground, and they just appear to disappear. And he wants to know if they munch their way through. He can't really think they're strong enough to wiggle their way through. Why not? Why can't they be strong enough to wiggle? His finger is. <laughs> That's some wonderful sound effects coming out of the radio today, aren't there? <laughs> I guess, but then equally, I don't know, you can have the surface of the, which has really been packed, you know, hard, really hard surface, and you put a worm on it, and they're just gone. But you yes. don't even see any earth come out in its place. So he wants to know how it works. How, how do worms, how do worms 
do their thing, really. Yeah. I like that question. How do they do question. their wormy thing? How do they <laughs> dig? How do worms dig? Yes. Oh three four five six oh six oh nine seven three. if you know the answer to that. That's lovely. Thank you, Helen. 12.37 is the time. Lewis is in Surbiton. Lewis, question or answer? I've got an answer, James. I'm going to cause riots here. You're going to cause riots? Yeah, I've got an answer to the, you know, the first class, second class uh, post question. Go on, then. There's no difference, James. There's what? genuinely no difference. Shut there, the front door. I, 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 know. I told you I'm going to cause riots, James. I did warn you. But everybody you know, knows that they've got... Um... It, 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 all it is is an internal sort of like um, priority system. So basically they could take all their first class posts in one day... And, you know, if it's not been there for a few days, they can decide to just leave the second class post. If, you know, if it's too busy, I should probably officially say it. I imagine it would be. But, um, yeah, they can just leave it. It's just a priority system inside the post office, the sorting offices. And if it's quiet? Well, yeah, they'll take all the second They'll do it all equally. As well. Yeah. Oh, no, if it's quiet, they might as well take the second class post with them. If they've got, like, enough space in the bag and stuff, they'll just take the second class with them at the same time as the first class. Qualifications? I work with someone that um, used to work in a sorting office, and obviously in the spirit of office small talk, I once went, so what's the difference between first class and second class? I'm going to give you a round of applause, because you're convincing and your qualifications are sound, but, but if someone else rings in who has actually worked in a sorting office rather than is mates with someone who used to, they will, I will let them on to challenge you. Oh, oh, by all means, James, but you made my day if you give me a round of applause. Whoa, steady on, I was going to tease him a bit then, honestly. <laughs> It's too late now. You might as well give him all of it. Ruined all my fun. <laughs> Thank you. There you go, Lewis. Thank you. Thank you. Colin's in Southend. Colin, question or answer? Uh, it's a question, James. Good afternoon. Um, good afternoon to you. What is the question? Um, my girlfriend lives 200 miles away at the moment. Uh, the other night she called me from her car from a factory-fitted Bluetooth system on from her mobile phone. So it consequently muted the CD that she was playing. Mate, Co- my, Colin, Colin, my... Slokes, Colin, Colin, how long have you been listening <laughs> to the programme? Uh, about 14 years, James. I, I haven't been here quite that long, but you're very kind. <laughs> Do you remember the rule that we used to have for people called Colin? Tell me. We, we, we didn't used to let them on the programme because they were almost <laughs> always boring. Okay. And I'm just... Shall I enliven this then for well, you? Well, I, I think you should start again with that warning, with that little bit of history in mind, <laughs> Cole. Thank you, James. Carry I on. won't tell you what we what we think of people named James down here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a family she, program. She called, me, <laughs> she called me from her uh, from her car using factory fitted Bluetooth system. Right. Her CD stopped playing. As my landline rang, I muted the Bluetooth soundbar on my TV. Yeah. As we as we were speaking, Justin Bieber. <laughs> That was on her CB- CD yeah. came through my sound bar in my lounge. Oh, I know how that happens. Tell me. It's a ghost. <laughs> That's what we say about Jameses down here. <laughs> They're all spooky. <laughs> so you've got. You <laughs> it's all right. I'm not having any Jamesism. Colonism is the acceptable face of prejudice. Jamesism is an altogether different kettle of fish. So, t- to be clear, your girlfriend was listening to Justin Bieber. Yes. She rang you. Yes. From from the Bluetooth connection in her car? Correct. From her iPhone. And then when your landline rang, the music she'd been listening to started coming out of your telly? 
as our conversation progressed, we spoke for about five minutes. Yeah. I had muted. I muted the sound bar when she rang. Yeah. Courtesy to hear. <laughs> very, very, very and, gallant and, of you, Colin. <laughs> who said romance was dead? Eh. <laughs> Uh, I've been married 15 years, I just turn it down a notch. (laughs) But it was Justin Bieber, I thought, my God, where has this come from? (laughs) So you hadn't unmuted it, it even came through the muted soundbar? Yes. Yeah, I'd muted the soundbar, and when I looked at the display, um, it said BT enabled. Now, I I have a a school friend who's been a a lifelong comms engineer for BT, and he just came back and said, beggared if I know. Yeah, well, I think I, that might well be the conclusion. But I owe you an apology. I thought we were heading towards a question of almost unbelievable dullness, Colin. But I, I, I did not expect yeah. that little soupçon of the supernatural to be imported at the oh, last minute. So, and, and of course, lighten, lightening the moment with Justin Bieber. Of course, Colin, always, always cheering. And he, <laughs> and he happens to be a Southend United fan. Oh so no, you're just being silly. Justin Bieber is not a Southend <laughs> United fan. Oh, he absolutely is. I, I will, All I right. will tweet you the picture of him in our shirts. Oh, really? Good grief. James, <laughs> I look forward to an answer and thanks for a great show for all these years. Oh, bless Have a you. Holiday, won't you. Oh, mate, thank you. That's lovely. 12.42 is the time. Gary is in Chesham. Question or answer, Gary? It's an answer, James. Come on, then. It's the first and second class post. Yes. It's rubbish what that bloke said. I, a I knew it. I'm g- getting back. I want my round of applause back. The thieving <laughs> git. Go on, Gary. <laughs> yeah, pop it in your pocket. I will. The, the machines recognise the phosphor on the stems and the second class get moved. Um, and they're stored and sorted the following morning, so the first class gets on its way on the evening. If we cleared out all the first class and there was still a few hours left on the shift, would we go and start on the second class? Yes. Well, that's kind of what he was saying. No, he was he was saying that they uh, discriminate when they're putting the post into their bags, which they don't. A, a postman or postwoman delivers whatever they're given. Um, the discrimination takes place during the sorting process yeah. in the evening. Yeah, so it's priority. It is true. I mean, they, they, he, he was giving us the impression that they're effectively exactly the same, and they're categorically not. And the franking, not the franking, no. the sorting machines are doing the work of, of, of distinguish telling you what to do next. Strings. What's your top priority? Your top priority will always be the first-class mail. Yeah, you, you've done it. Question or answer? I beg your pardon, Qualifications. Uh, 37 years at Royal Mail. Blimey. Only 37. I'm not sure that's enough to yeah. qualify for a round of applause, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. 12.43 is the time. Fiona is in Sidcup. Fiona, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Fiona. Uh, the peas and beans question. What is the difference between pea and bean? There is no difference. They're both from the same family called Liggy. Called what? Legumes. Yes, legumes. <laughs> so, so a pea is a bean, and a bean is a pea. Yeah, and they're all seeds. They're all seeds of vegetables. That's what they're called legumes. And they're all in pods, are they? That's right. That's the definition of a legume, is a, is a bunch of seeds in a pod. That's right. Or yeah. a single seed in a pod, in, like a broad bean. Yep. yep, some multiple, some on their own, yeah. Why do we call peas peas, then? Because we've already got a name for beans. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't very funny at all, was it? <laughs> the pea. You can't call it a bean, because that's a bean over there. There's lots of different types of beans, so you could have had a pea bean, but they just called it a pea. And in America, I think what we call a black-eyed bean, they would call a black-eyed pea, or vice versa. Yeah. Qualifications, yeah. Fiona? I'm a qualified chef. A quali- up you go, and it's earned you this. What's your favourite pea recipe, Fiona? Uh, I think probably pea mint risotto. Pea and mint risotto, very nice. I'm having a crack at a cauliflower cheese risotto tonight. Oh, 
right. What, what do you mean, oh, right? Not so much with the cauliflower. <laughs> R- roasted cauliflower cheese risotto. It's one of Lindsay Barham's. She's the best best uh, chef in the newspapers by a country mile. Oh, okay. You're not impressed? Okay. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, doing no, a bit, I'm doing it with a bit of roast hazelnut and mascarpone. Uh, that sounds fine, just not with the cauliflower. You're a chef! How can you not like cauliflower? Personal choice. Well, fair enough. Give Fiona another round of applause, because I was rude to her, and that's not fair. <laughs> Thank you. Carry on, Fiona. 12.45 is the time. It's 12.49, you're listening to James O'Brien on LBC, where Mystery Hour is drawing to a close, but we still need some answers to some questions. I'll remind you of what they are in just a moment. First, though, if you run a small to medium-sized business and you've been thinking of growing internationally but assumed that going global is just for the big companies, then think again, because this week on LBC we're teaming up with Exporting is Great to explore exporting opportunities for UK businesses. Anything from sending iced tea to Costa Rica or cocktail dresses to Sweden. Switzerland. British expertise and products are in demand overseas, so whatever your business, you can take advantage. Listen all this week for the LBC special report on exporting, and to find out how you can grow your business, search Exporting is Great. Um, questions that still need answers. How do worms work? I love that question. How do worms work? How does the worm wiggle in such a way that allows it to breach the crust of very hard soil and do his wormy business as he makes his way through the lower layers. Difference between peas and beans we've done, second-class stamps we've done, and Colin's brilliant question about Justin Bieber, which is too complicated for me to repeat, but if you heard it and you understood it, give me a ring and provide us with the answer. What happened was, I'll talk to Lisa first, and then I'll remind you of Colin's question in the hope of getting an answer in the next eight minutes. Lisa's in Watford. Lisa, question or answer? Hello, it's a question, please, if I can fit one in. Go on, then. I'd like to know where new words come from. I've got a teenage daughter. Yes. And she'll say something like someone's leng or peng. I've never heard of those words. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't say that on the radio. Oh, can't I? Good God, Lisa, are you trying to get me fired? Oh, really? Oh, I can't believe you just said that on the radio. I'm in so much trouble now. No. No, I'm not really. Carry on. Oh, don't. Oh, stop it. (laughs) I had to look them up in the Urban Dictionary. Yes. And the other day, my son said, oh, that's peak. And I thought that meant that's really good because peak is the top of something. Yeah, I did as well. It didn't mean the best of something. It meant the worst of something. It meant something was really bad. As in sick, meaning good. Sick meaning, yes, yeah, so... So peak means bad and sick from? means good. Peak, peak... Well, what do you mean, where do they come from? Do you well, mean... Like someone, like I could say, oh, oh, his hair's flingy, meaning it's messy. Like, does that mean an official word, because I've said flingy? Not yet, no, because it's just you, but it would assume a, 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 a position eventually where it was quite widespread, and then the people that assemble dictionaries would... would have a meeting on whether or not to add it to, to the list. They announce new words every year. But somebody who somewhere... Who makes it official, this Urban Dictionary? Well, the How Urban Dictionary is not official. Word? The Urban Dictionary is not official. That's just like a sort of online process, a, a, a collection of words like the ones you've heard your children use, and then someone's sort of writing them down and, and, and explaining what the definition is, but it doesn't join... I, I, I mean, it, it's, it's lexicographers and dictionary compilers who ultimately determine what words are formally in existence and what words are still confined to informal slang it's quite an arbitrary process but i can't quite work out whether you're asking who makes a decision on when a word becomes formally real or who invents new words they're two different questions i can't i can't ask if it can be formally real if you just said the the urban dictionary isn't 
I don't know. Awesome. The Urban Dictionary isn't. A, you, you, a word in the Urban Dictionary would dream of being promoted into a proper dictionary. That's what they do. They sit around all these pengs and nangs and whatever else and peaks and they all dream of one day getting promoted into the proper dictionary. <laughs> but slingy, let me just check that actually because otherwise, because <laughs> I'm going away for a couple of weeks and when I come back, I, I want slingy to be... Slingy hair. <laughs> Slingy's not there. Slingy's not a word. So when I get back from my holidays on April the 11th, I want Slingy to be in common parlance. Okay. That's, what, that's how it works. So you say Slingy. Well, what does it mean? You were just going for Slingy meaning messy. It should be something a bit better than Slingy. Oh, I don't know. It's the first word that came to my head. I love it. It's a great word. What about... It's a, it's a cross between messy and sticky. So it's Slingy. It's messy and sticky. It's Slingy. But how can peak mean not good instead of good? It's just kids. I don't get that. It's kids, innit? Well, someone must have said it. Who said it? Who? Oh, so someone said Bosting. When I grew up in the black country, somebody once said Bosting. Bosting? Yeah, but Boss is another one, isn't it? Boss, that's a new word. I don't know. You're the one hanging out with the kids, Lisa. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still, wa- I'm, I'm still watching Peppa Pig and Horrible Histories. <laughs> Boss is a new word as well. And Bay, that's another one. B-A-E. Yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. Oh. Should we look it up in the Urban Dictionary? Well, I'm frightened to in the studio <laughs> now. I don't know, she might, Sheila Fogarty might think I've been looking up inappropriate material on the office computer. <laughs> I shall find out for you. <laughs> I'm going to give you a round of applause anyway because you're lovely. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. I shouldn't try it. I shouldn't have yanked your chain in that way, claiming that you'd uh, uttered some foul profanity that was going to get me censured by Ofcom again. Lisa is in Gravesend. Lisa, question or answer? Yeah. Oh, um, it's not. <laughs> Carry on, Lisa. Right, okay. I just have to say, first of all, that lady that's just on, I completely understand how confused she is because my daughter's started secondary school yes. <laughs> in September. Oh, I've got all this to look forward <laughs> to. I'm just having to look up on Google because I just don't understand what she's going on about. <laughs> no. That's not why you rang in, though. What did you ring in about? No, it's not. Um, about the worms for the little boy that wanted to know. Oh, yes. Right, so... Um, Worms have actually got bristles, well, hairs, on the ends of their bodies. So what they do is when they go in the earth, it grips the dirt up and it sort of passes it under its head. But how do, they, how do they get in the first bit, the bit that's really hard, too hard to get a finger through? How does a worm get through the top of oh, it? They, well, they burrow through. Don't they, yeah, but don't they eat they the soil and then use... excrete it? Uh, what they normally do is they eat like dead plant stuff or anything that's around. They get through that way. So I, I, I haven't heard of them eating dirt. Right. What are your qualifications? Um, I've spent ten years rescuing worms and stag beetles. And I can't... I'm not going to be able to give you a round of applause. I feel terrible about this. I can't oh, give you a round of applause. Well, because I started rescuing them. But no, but you've just told me they wiggle. I said, how do worms get into the ground? You said they wiggle, James. Yeah, they, they we obviously there. we're looking for more than a wiggle, aren't we? If we were only looking for a wiggle, I wouldn't have let the question on the board in the first place. We're looking for something a little bit more biologically sophisticated, Lisa. That's what they have to do at first. No, but it must be that, more to so it than wiggling. It can't just be wiggling. There's more after the wiggling, yes. I think there's excreting and consuming. Well, I just said they, they do eat the dead plant stuff. <laughs> I'm not going to send you away with nothing. All right, I'm going to tell you what BAE stands for. Did you know what BAE stands for? No. But before anyone else? 
Right, okay. But that's all I'm giving you. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Okay. I feel terrible okay. now. Next time, promise. Uh, next time, remind me, and I'll, I'll give you. I'll, you know, I'll set the bar very low. But I'm not having that because wiggling was kind of obvious. The reason why I got distracted. I don't know if you noticed at the beginning. I just some breaking news there that Johan Cruyff. The uh, one of I mean one of the finest footballers ever has passed away. They've just revealed um, at the age of sixty-eight. More on this, no doubt, in the course of the afternoon on LBC. He made his name as a as a forward with Ajax and Barcelona. Won the Ballon d'Or three times. The Lionel Messi of of his of his age, really. Um, and he thought he was winning. A really poignant postscript here. He thought he was two 0 up if it had been a football match against his battle with lung cancer. And he said, "I'm sure I will end up winning." It's my sad duty to tell you. That he didn't. Aaron Cruyff has died of cancer at the age of 68. 12.57 is the time. Sean is in Surbiton. Question or answer, Sean? Well, it's regarding the worms, James. Oh. Uh, have you heard of worm casts? Worm what? Worm casts. C-A-S-T. I, 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 yes. Yeah, no. well, that's what happens. They, they, they don't... What happens if they can't go through hard soil, but if you, on your lawn, lay a piece of plastic, two-foot, whatever, a kid's basic, and take it up after a few days, and there'll be loads of worms underneath. They've oh. come up to the soft soil. So what happens to worms as they travel through the soil? As you say, they excrete it. Yes. That's what happens. And we rely on worms. They aerate the soil. Otherwise, the soil would be useless. They, they're our friends, our natural friends. They are but our friends. First, it's what happens if you see uh, flagstones or anything, and there's little bits of clay in between. You'll see what look like dead worms. And they're worm casts. They're worm casts, which is passed through their body. So they eat it and excrete it, and that's how they break the surface sometimes. Whatever nutrients are in the soil <laughs> keeps them alive. This was a question for a 10-year-old boy. He's going to love, or a 10-year-old girl. Like, they, 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 they're going to love that answer. But, I mean, in a nutshell, you're far too sophisticated to say this. How do they get through the soil? They eat it and they poo it out. Exactly. And they can't go through hard soil, as I said. But if you lay something on your lawn, pick it up a few days later, you must have seen it where the kids have left something, and underneath, the worms are stuck to the piece of plastic or something. Sean, you sound like a man. I've got to give him his round of applause quickly. You, you sound like a man who's very familiar with modern technology. How many views do you think clips of this show have had on Facebook since the beginning of this year, Sean? Well, you're listening to a man who's the wrong side of eight, 80. Just take so a guess. All this white man's magic, uh, I don't even know. I'm a landline. <laughs> I refuse to join the new society. Oh, well, Sean, I'll, I'll see you when I get back from my holidays on April the 11th. The answer is five million, believe it or not, since the beginning of this year. Five million views of clips from this programme on the LBC Facebook page. But don't let that draw you there. Go and see the bile and hatred that, that a sort of small number of people post there daily about me and my friends and colleagues. Speaking of my friends and colleagues, no one's ever p p posted bile or hatred about Sheila Fogarty, oh, who, is, have. <laughs> who is here to ease you into the rest of this afternoon. Thank you very much, James. Uh, from three, I want to talk about marriage. People in formalised relationships like marriage or civil partnerships are, we are told, happier than those who are not. Is this a case of smug marriage or is there something in it? From two, I want to talk about grief and consolation. The woman who lost her husband, children, mother and sister in the drowning off Donegal has met the man who saved her four-month-old baby. A priest who was present at the meeting has described it, saying he would never again see such intensity of feeling. Grief is something none of us escape, though not on that scale, thankfully. How did you survive it?